Hello, welcome to this episode of the Building Local Power podcast. I'm Jess Del Fiaco, the Communications Manager with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. And I'm here with Brenda Platt, who directs the Community Composting Program here at ILSR. Uh, good morning, Brenda. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about our guests that we have on the podcast today? Yeah, well, Alex and Elsia with the um, New York City Compost Project at the Queens Botanical Garden. And we'll be talking about the case for government support for community scale composting. Yeah, um, so this was a really interesting conversation. And one of the things that I thought was so impressive about them was that, so the city supports their program, right? Um, and they've been around for, I think it was 25 years. Um, and over that time, they've spurred these kind of far-reaching benefits in their community, but then through their trainings, I know people have gone off and established programs elsewhere. So maybe you could talk a little bit about um, the Master Composting Program and just kind of how how important this program has been in spreading these benefits further. Yeah, it's it's such a remarkable program. And it's not just that they're training, you know, other members of their community to train others. That's the Master Composter program, train the trainers. And the graduates of their program have gone on to start like multiple community scale composting at, at local museums, at local churches, at even a local university and colleges, you know, um, residential condominiums and gardens. They're a demonstration site, they're a training site, they provide technical assistance. It's really incredible. And in light of, you know, what we would normally do with our food scraps is probably, you know, put it out in a garbage bag at the curb. Um, if it's not local government picking it up, it's one of these huge waste management companies that are making billions of dollars a year. So I feel like so often we live in this like topsy-turvy, upside-down world where the status quo is like picking it up, putting it into a landfill or trash incinerator, creating all this pollution, whereas the alternative can be something so easy as like training your community members, cycling that food waste back into compost locally, growing local food, educating your community. It's, it's remarkable what they're doing in New York City. And, it, and if you can do it in New York City, you can do it anywhere. Yeah, so my next question was basically, for other communities who might be listening in here, what are your tips on where do they start to establish a program like this? Starting with a master composter, train the trainer program is absolutely a great way to start. Um, you can be teaching others how to do it um, at their community sites. If you're not in a really dense urban area, you know, there's um, huge opportunities to promote home composting and you don't need to have a facility. So a lot of communities say, oh, we can't you know, compost food scraps because we don't have the land, we don't have a facility to take it. Well, if you're teaching people how to do it at their local gardens and urban farms and community gardens and backyards, you don't need you don't need land to do that. Um, so that's that's one thing you can do. The other thing New York City has been um, uh, leading is in community drop-off sites for food scraps, and they've started these at farmers markets all throughout the city. Um, including in Queens, that the Queens Botanical Garden runs. This is the New York City Compost Project. And we're seeing that model replicated in many cities um, across the country. It's been done in Washington, D.C. Baltimore's got a pilot now. Um, little towns like um, Alexandria, Virginia are, are doing it as well. So we're seeing the model of farmers markets are great places to start a food scrap collection program. 
That's great. And I, I just want to note for the folks listening in, if you want to dig even deeper into this story, we actually have um, an extended conversation with Elsa and Alex of the Queens Botanical Garden compost site on the next episode of the Composting for Community podcast. Um, with that, Brenda, is there anything else you wanted to add before we dive into the interview? No, I just think anybody can uh, compost food scraps. And when you send it to a landfill and incinerator, you're creating potent greenhouse gases. And when you convert it into compost locally, you're drawing down carbon from the atmosphere and sequestering and helping to grow fertile soil. So starve a landfill, feed the soil, feed the community. All good things. Thanks, Brenda. You're welcome. Today, we're talking about the case for government support of community composting with a spotlight on Queen's Botanical Garden. And I'm pleased to be joined today by Elsa Higby, Project Manager, and Alex Yegewo, Operations Coordinator of the New York Compost Project, New York City Compost Project, hosted by the Queens Botanical Garden. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi, Brenda. Uh, uh, so glad to have you today. We're going to cover your food scrap composting history, activities, financing, future plans, and more. So let's just start. Um, Elsa, let me start the question for you. Just tell us. What is the New York City Compost Project hosted by the Queens Botanical Garden? Well, uh, first off, I better start with the New York City Compost Project. Um, so it was created by the New York Department of Sanitation back in 1993. And Queens Botanical Garden is one of seven host sites. So here, the New York City Compost Project hosted by Queens Botanical Garden runs outreach and education. We have a one-acre farm. We have a compost processing site. Um, we have a beautiful perennial border on our farm that's a pollinator habitat. And here, we really take pride in the fact that we are demonstrating the closed-loop system of crops grown, gone to food, food waste going to composting, and compost being applied back to the farm. Wow. So, I mean, I'm so envious. I want all of those things here in D.C. where I am at. So, And you're doing all that right within the borough of Queens, one, one borough, growing food at your farm, collecting food scraps, converting that into compost locally, growing well, local not, food? You know, Brenda, not only are we doing it in one borough, but we're doing all of that at Queens Botanical Garden. Uh, for our outreach and education and our technical advice, we go out into the field. But in terms of our physical site operations, that all happens here at Queens Botanical Garden. Amazing. Is all your compost used at your farm or do you share some with the community? Well, we uh, uh, had started uh, our uh, operation to feed the soil at the at the farm. And at this point, we've we've grown uh, to such a scale that uh, we're still providing several yards, whatever the farm needs on a on an annual basis. Uh, but that that tends to be a fraction of uh, of what our total production is. So some a small percentage goes to the farm, a, a larger percentage goes to uh, uh, residents uh, of Queens, of New York. Uh, some of it goes to our drop-off participants, uh, the individuals who drop off at our food scrap drop-offs, just to uh, show them what the finished product looks like so they can use it on their houseplants. Uh, and uh, the... Uh, vast majority goes to public greening projects uh, where uh, we'll uh, usually work with a park or a, a nonprofit to uh, uh, 
help them beautify a public space. Great, great. And, um, you know, you, you mentioned you've been around for a while. How, how long have you been around? And I would love to just hear how the project, the program has grown over the years. Um, Elsa, that might be a question best suited for you. Well, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary uh, for New York City Compost Project actually last year. And so basically, uh, the Compost Project has been um, residing at the Botanical Gardens for 25 years. Uh, it started out initially doing backyard composting education and distributing compost bins to residents. And then outreach and education grew to finally include a master composter certification program. Um, as we certified master composters, they developed community compost sites. So then we got into providing technical advice and services to community composting sites. And then finally, Alex can talk a little bit more about this, but accepting residential food scraps. Yeah, that's right. About, about four and a half uh, years ago or so, uh, we, we started to uh, uh, collect uh, uh, food waste from uh, residents at Queens. Um, so it's it's been it's been a journey of of learning how to. Um, it's taught us how to manage materials from a very basic elementary scale, from from the smallest scale possible to a much larger and more complex scale. So for us, that's been a a great learning experience. Yeah. Well, first, congratulations on 25 years. That's that's very notable. And you know, you referred to like, you know, moving to larger scale systems, but even within, you know, your operations, you're not even near like, you know, large scale is not like a commercial industrial scale. So maybe you can explain um, or just share with us, um, you know, like how many pounds or per week or, you know, per month, per year, whatever you're measuring of food scraps. What What is the scale? Tell us a little bit more about actually what you're handling. So we we essentially take in 66 tons of food waste pretty much on a year on average. So if you you know multiply that times two, a ton is 2,000 pounds, you're looking at 132,000 pounds of food scraps a year, which is really small compared to industrial compost sites. Yes. You know, you could think of it too as 11,000 pounds a month. And that includes a weekly intake of 12 to 1,500 pounds, which we process manually as part of our outreach and education. And then a monthly intake of 5,000 pounds. Um, all of that material right now is coming from Grow NYC, um, and Alex will talk about that maybe a little bit more. Um, but it's all residential food scraps. It's all really clean material. Um, we we collect a small amount at our public food scrap drop-off here at Queens Botanical Garden, maybe 500 pounds a month. And so I'm just talking about the nitrogenous material, right? 132,000 pounds or 66 tons of just nitrogenous material. But then we add three times as much carbon by volume. Um, so if I had to guesstimate a weight on that, I, I have like 150,000 pounds maybe. I'm looking at Alex for his, his see what he thinks. Um, plus, uh, you know, we do a little bit of horticulture waste. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so uh, Grow NYC uh, is is an organization that's also uh, subcontracted through uh, Department of Sanitation, and uh, among among many things that they do is they they manage uh, many of the green markets in uh, uh, New York City uh, and for many years now they've been collecting food waste at those green markets uh, in in New York um, and uh, with with the with with the intention of actually being able to process that material within uh, New York City uh, so that uh, rather than sending it to a large industrial compost site, just keeping it local and uh, uh, producing compost 
from that from that feedstock and then being able to use that finished compost uh, locally for for a public benefit. Um, so Grow NYC. Uh, uh, actually, at this point, uh, we just transitioned our food scrap drop-offs uh, to Grow NYC, meaning they are they are now going to be managing our uh, our drop-offs uh, um, uh, and bringing the material to us. Uh, but this is this is one of uh, several partnerships that are that are really important for us to uh, uh, you know do do the work that we do. Yeah, good. And so often we hear, oh, community composting in urban areas won't work. It's a no-go because you know rats. So <laughs> you're, in, you're in an urban area. How do you avoid having the rodent problems and dealing, you know, primarily with the naysayers? Well, one of my, one of my uh, teachers uh, uh, on this was uh, David, uh, David Buckle of New York City Compost Project at Red Hook. Uh, community farm, and uh, he he was a he was a master at rodent management, um, and taught all of us at the New York City Compost Project a lot of lessons about responsible management. Um, so uh, one one thing that we do is uh, we will we will keep our, our our site as tidy and as clean as possible. We'll try to make sure that we're not leaving any fresh. Um, uh, material any fresh food waste lying around or on on the pad surface every time we'll do a build we're going to sweep that pad we're going to uh, use the bucket of the loader to to, to scrape off any uh, uh, material um, uh, any any food waste material um, then what we'll do is we'll put a, a nice uh, thick bio filter on on the on the windrow that we'll create um, and that biofilter acts as a, a kind of a, a, a shield, uh, so to speak, uh, and, and repels uh, rodents. And then on top of that, we'll put a uh, compost text cover, which is a breathable, um, breathable fabric cover. Um, and uh, and we'll actually on the on the very bottom of the we'll we'll affix the the pile the, the I'm sorry the cover. Uh, uh, in, in such a way that we'll use boards and pavers uh, to create no entry uh, for for uh, rodents into our compost piles. But those mostly mostly what we found, and I think this is David Buckle's philosophy, is that you really just have to keep your your site as clean as possible. Uh, the first moment that you see any rodent activity, uh, you have to address that immediately and and take it very seriously. And we've had to do that because obviously you know we're here at the um, uh, by the good graces of, of the botanical garden, uh, and you know we we need to make sure that um, the garden is happy with the way we're managing our uh, our site. Uh, uh, so, knock on wood, we you know we've we've definitely come across a few times that we've seen rodent activity, but for the most part, uh, we we've been able to. Uh, to, to really avoid any major issues. And I think the key to that is a lot of um, just diligence, uh, just keeping that site clean. Um, and for other people who want to know a little bit more about this, you can you can look up uh, on YouTube. David Buckle has a video on uh, rodent management uh, at, at his community compost site, which which I think um, is, is great and kind of goes over the the main 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 ways to avoid rodent issues at compost sites. Yeah, that's that's good to hear. Given that you've been, 
you know, operating for 25 years, you must be doing something right, you know. They haven't kicked you out yet. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Building Local Power podcast. If you're enjoying this conversation, we hope you'll consider making a donation to the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Not only does your support underwrite this podcast, but it also helps us produce all the resources and research we make available for free on our website. Please take a minute and go to ilsr.org donate to make a contribution. Any amount is welcome and sincerely appreciated. That's ilsr.org donate. Thank you so much. And now back to the show. And, you know, I'm glad you mentioned David Buckle because I also um, consider him one of my key mentors in composting. And uh, we'll put a link to his video with this podcast. And uh, we also did a webinar uh, that he was one of our featured presentations on how to avoid rodent problems at community compost sites. So we'll include that link. And, you you know, you mentioned him. He was a master at this. And this is a, a good, actually, a perfect segue into my next question, my next question, which was about your master composter certificate course, because David uh, was a graduate, maybe not of your program, but of, a, of the New York City Compost Project Master Composter Program. And that's where he got interested in composting. And he, you know, it's a train the trainer program. And he came out and he started the Red Hook Community Compost Site and trained so many of us. And so, uh, you know, I know, you know, you're not for profit. And Elsa, you know, you talked about, you know, how you're only handling 52 tons you know, at the end, 52 tons, you know, and you have this cost, but it seems to me your program is so much larger than just the food scraps you're diverting, you know, from disposal facilities that you're, you know, you're doing this education, you're doing this outreach, you're, you're got a demonstration site. So I'd really, you know, like to hear, you know, just how, how important is the master composter certificate course? What are you doing? You know, how are you, you know, seeding other, you know, experts or trainers to lead more stuff, you know, in the community? Well, the Master Composter Certificate Program has become this really incredible network of advocates and composters for not only organics recycling, but recycling in general. And David Buckle's a shining example. But um, I will also say Alex here graduated from the Queens Botanical Garden Master Composter course and started the Eastern Queens Eastern Queens composters. Yeah, and we started a community compost site at Queens County Farm. And I think that's been the story for so many master composters, uh, uh, many who've done some amazing work and, and, and started a lot of, like David, for example, who've started these community compost sites that have taken off. So, but in addition to, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm just going to name a few jade scraps, which is part of Jackson Heights Beautification Association, is not only community compost sites, but they're also a public food scrap drop-off. That's a master composter from Queens. We also have um, St. James Composting, um, which is in Elmhurst, a little piece of land outside of St. James Church. That's a master composter, community compost site, and also a public food scrap drop-off. But we also have people who've done other things. We have teachers in education who take our class, and they really work with their kids on either doing composting in the schools or, or vermiculture in the schools. We have some people, we have one woman who was an author, and she wrote the book Compost Heroes. Um, we've got community gardeners and New York City Parks gardeners um, who become really, really knowledgeable on how to apply compost and then become advocates within these larger systems systems um, for organic practices or for using more compost and more mulch. 
Um, and then we also often, more and more now, we're getting um, a staff and students from universities who are interested in having food scrap collection at the university, if not also a small community compost site, which is actually leading us. We're now working on a, um, a, um, a compost leadership training program um, that's uh, being piloted on Staten Island with some of the colleges out there. And actually, we're, um, we're working with a local agricultural high school here in Queens, hoping to get it rolling there. So there's a lot of ways in which master composters have enhanced the network here. And then I should also just mention, you know, we have an internship um, um, uh, compost and farm internship. And this year, all of those interns happen to be master composters who've decided that they also want to get more into farming and into, into compost operations and really, really be able to teach and become leaders in that full cycle. Do you, I mean, that's just amazing to hear all those examples. Do you have any idea over the 25 years, or I don't know how long the master composter program has been around, but how many have graduated from your program? How many have you trained? Do you know? We have trained um, 20 people a year for the last four years, and previous to that, the master composter programs, I think, started back in 2005, I want to say. Um, I think they were doing 12 to 16 people a year during that time. That's here just at QBG, so you imagine five sites mm -hmm. are teaching this class once a year. So let's say you have 100, uh, 100 people throughout the city every year being trained to be a master composter. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, and you know, through this program and through your other efforts, I know you're supporting other community compost sites, you know, um, in Queens. Do you know how many other sites there are and how do you, are you supporting them? Because those are more volunteer based, they're not staffed. So it seems to me through your program, you're seeding all these other efforts. Right. Well, the borough of Queens, we have about 36 community compost sites um, that are active. And that might be a small compost site in a community garden. It might be a community compost site actually connected to someone's house that they're sharing with a neighborhood. It might be a community compost site at a church. Or it might be a community compost site that's taken over, um, you know, a vacant lot. And, is, you know, somebody owns the lot and they've taken over that lot. And we support community compost sites. It's pretty much a give and take to the extent to which they want to be supported. The, the largest amount of support that we've done is we're actually coming out with a group of volunteers and helping them do a three-bin build, building a three-bin. Um, sometimes we'll simply just go out and provide them with tools. Let's say that, you know, if they had um, an, a couple extra choppers or if they had um, – um, a, um, a sifter, just a handmade, you know, square of made with two by four and screen. And we can help them uh, acquire those things either by doing kind of a DIY build with them or actually by purchasing it and bringing it to them. And then we can also run workshops for their community members that helps, you know, get people jazzed up about composting or reinvigorated or um, just to train new people, essentially. Mm -hmm. Amazing. 36 community active community compost sites. Congratulations. Yeah. That's, so that's in Queens. I need a number for yeah. New York City and I think it's a, I think it's a, a, a it, I, it's it's over 200 in the city of New York. Yeah. And, it's remarkable. If if I could just add, I mean, uh some some of there's been some incredible people that have gone through the program and have done uh some some incredible work uh within within New York City. For example, uh there was uh, uh, two master composters in the year before I was involved, uh, Stephanos uh, Koulios and uh, uh, Leanne Spaulding, uh, 
who uh, started Western Queens Compost Initiative in uh, Astoria and Long Island City, which became uh, uh, later on a, a DSNY-funded site uh, and now is uh, known as Big Reuse, uh, which is one of the, the biggest intake uh, uh, sites. Uh, but but it's incredible that uh, this investment in educating uh, individuals uh, and empowering individuals in, uh, <coughs> in, in in tools and how to make compost uh, actually created uh, uh, these individuals who went on to uh, you know just do incredible work uh, that has served the city in in tremendous ways. Yeah, I mean, I I knew Leanne. I knew her after she left New York. She went on to work for the U.S. Composting Council, which is mm -hmm. how I met her. So, you know, your the city and Queens is you know, uh, birth you know giving birth to these these experts who go on even to work in the you know larger you know kind of composting field. It's amazing. So, and you know, one of the things you know you're just doing so well is kind of harnessing the power of volunteers to keep things going at these like, you know, spreading, you know, spreading the work you're doing, the city's supporting you. And then you're helping to support these volunteer run systems. So just to break it down for people again, um, and I think Elsa, you may have mentioned this at the beginning, but how many, in, in terms of employees, full-time or part-time do you have? And then like how many, are volunteers, just so we can get clear, like the city supporting X number of people. So at our yeah. site, we have we have five full-time staff persons and one seasonal staff person, but we have two CUNY Culture Corps throughout the year. So that's a total of like 24 hours a week for probably about eight months, right? We have uh, uh, three to four compost and farm interns, which are two days a week uh, for six months. Um, we often will get an ad hoc intern from Queens College um, or from somewhere else who might only spend about three months with us. And those are, um, then in addition to that, we have uh, Volunteer Wednesday. <laughs> We're basically 20, we have about, I would say 15 to 20 people every Wednesday uh, divided between volunteering out at the farm or volunteering with processing. Um, and then we'll have ad hoc volunteer opportunities you know, throughout the year as we can schedule them and as needs arise. So um, what? let's just move into a little bit, um, just, you know, what are your tips? Well, first of all, let me ask you this. What are your recommendations for other small-scale composting to, to kind of replicate what you're doing in terms of getting at least like the funding and financing from local government? And then I want to move into what kinds of tips and lessons learned you have for other cities and um, local government. Um, so, so my experience has really been in the state of Ohio, city of Youngstown, and then the state of New York, city of New York City. Um, and I've found that state EPAs, uh, local city councils are really good sources to go to for funding for community composting. Um, and in some cases, states will provide matching dollars for industrial compost sites through um, state EPA or, or federally funded dollars that have come down to the state level to be distributed for that purpose. Um, I guess in a large city, I think your funding opportunities are going to be through possibly your city's Department of Health, Department of Education, Soil and Water Conservation District, um, NRCS, or any organization that's funding projects that are concerned with environmental education, clean water, methane emissions, and recycling. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just have a have a note that uh, you know when when 
planning a, a compost site, a small a small compost site, one of the considerations one might make is between uh, what's the role of equipment and what equipment can really actually uh, dramatically increase your, your your production and efficiency. Uh, where you know you might have four staff members turning a, a, a windrow uh, by hand, it, it may be uh, more beneficial to have uh, two staff members and uh, and purchase a, a small tractor or skid steer to, to, to turn that uh, equipment. So there's a, definitely a, a, a trade-off between having uh, more people and, and, and having the right equipment. Yeah, good point. I hear that so often the trade-off between labor and um, and just investing more in equipment that can do some of that labor for you so um, so my my last question is just what what tips for replication do you have for other local governments who want to support community composting endeavors like yours in their communities what should they do how can they help I think the investment in education uh, is huge. And then second, the investment in policy that's going to support that local composting. Like uh, a lot of cities don't allow open piles. Um, and so policy needs to change at the city council level generally to first off allow that so that you can have community composting go on that, that is not going to be largely expensive. Um, and then I, I think um, for community composters, I want to say don't let the dollars get in your way. A small, impactful educational operation can be put together, you know, with a little bit of land, a few thousand dollars. You know, if, if you're planning to run a hauling business, you might need to check to see what your local legislation allows you to do or doesn't allow you to do. Um, but be sure to put your site, you know, on a route where your actual, um, your the, the population from which you're hauling and your composting site isn't too far away <laughs> from each other. Um, so yeah, I mean that's 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 pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much, Elsa and Alex, with the New York City Compost Project hosted by the Queens Botanical Garden. I look forward to following uh, the journey here and see what else um, you're cooking up at your site. Thanks, Brenda. It was a pleasure. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. All right, take Bye. care. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of the Building Local Power podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. You can find links to what we discussed today by visiting ilsr.org and clicking on the show page for this episode. That's ilsr.org. While you're there, you can sign up for one of our newsletters and connect with us on social media. Finally, you can help us out with a gift that helps support our work, including the production of this very podcast. You can also help us out by rating this podcast and sharing it with your friends on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts. This show is produced by Lisa Gonzalez, Zach Freed, and me, Jess Del Fiaco. Our theme music is Funk Interlude by Dysfunctional. Dysfunctional.